Hello, and welcome to another episode of Set for Life Conversations, where we help you get your mind right and your money right by discussing life strategies for the everyday person. I'm your host, Thomas Lacoma, and each episode, we'll spend some time with financial advisor, pastor, and motivational speaker, published author, and former college athlete, George Thompson, as he shares with us wisdom that you can put into practice today. In today's episode, we go into the archives and share with you George's sermon entitled Healing at the Pool of Bethesda. This is a powerful message about how to make lasting changes in your life. Can I ask you a question before we even get started? Have you ever watched a miracle in the Bible and said, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. There's a top five. I'd probably think this would be in the top five. When Jesus tells his disciples to go out on the water, and then there's a storm, and Jesus starts walking on the water, and then Peter gets scared, they get scared, says, if it is you, Jesus, let me walk on water. Don't you wish you were there? I would have tried to jump in front of Peter or something and try to walk on the water. Probably then I'd probably say number two, another one probably would be on the list, would be where Moses was bringing the people out of Israel, the Israelites. And then they went and he raised that staff in the air and parted the seas. Probably want to be there for that one. Another one. Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. Lazarus died. They wrapped him up in clothing. They had a funeral for him. They buried him and put a stone in front of him. Jesus walked out in front of all that and said, Lazarus, rise. Don't you wish you were standing right next to him and then told everybody right next to him, said, I'm glad he said Lazarus because if he would have said anything else, rise, everything would have rose. Okay, you guys don't like those and I guess you guys are just the feeding of the 5,000 then. Or just turning water into wine. That's it? All right. For me, what I'm about to read to you, this scripture, is one where I wish I was there. I want to share with you. Maybe you'll feel the same way and we'll make the same changes in our life. Amen? John, the fifth chapter, the first, the, the first verse healing at the pool. Sometime a little after, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near a sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Verse 3. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie there. The blind... The lame, the paralyzed. Verse 5. One who, had, who was there and had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there in that condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to be healed? He asked him, do you want to be healed? Let me paint a picture for you. 
You have a man sitting in a pool. He had been invalid, paralyzed for 38 years. He may not have been at that pool, but he had been in that condition for 38 years. And there's a story that what, what would happen would, what, what would happen is they would, an angel would come down and stir up the water. And whoever fell in, they would just be healed and come out and be healed. It's like a free-for-all. They would do that. But one day, Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to be healed? Before I go any further, let me just ask another question. Is anybody in here 38 years or older? 38 years or older? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're over 38 years. Okay, a, a few more hands should be raised. People lying up here in church. So here, let me do this just to make sure. Let me jog your memory about 38 years ago. So it's 2018 right now, right? So 30 years ago, 38 years ago, that would have been 1980. Just to let you know, jog your memory just to make sure. So you're watching stuff on TV, a brand new episode, something like The Love Boat. The Jeffersons. If you were younger like me, because I was young then, you know, you'd be watching different strokes. All right? If you listen to popular, oh, Pac-Man came out in 1980. The most popular gift at Christmas was the Rubik's Cube. Music. Michael Jackson rock with you. Maybe you were disco time. Diana Ross upside down. A company, uh, a group called Lip Sync had a song called Funky Town. But maybe you just had a boom box. And you would set it down. That's the same year the Sony Walkman come out. You set that with 12D batteries, push play. And then a song came out called Rapper's Delight. What you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. Me, the groove, and my friends are going to try to... Okay, that sounds like a little more than that. Now, who here is over 38 years old? I want you to look through the lens of this man and you may see yourself. We may have something that we've gone through, that we've struggled with for a long time that has stopped you from being whole or the person that God would have you to be. And you just struggle with it. It just may be a personal issue. It may have caused you shame, may have done it, but it's just a, it's a problem that you've been dealing with. So what I'm going to do is just list some of the top 10 issues that people deal with. I use the word issues. You see, I didn't say addictions because that brings shame to you. I'm just going to tell you what the issues are. One, alcohol. Two, drugs, meaning marijuana, cigarettes, tobacco, coffee. Right. No, 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 there's nothing wrong. You can drink a cup of coffee. I'm talking about you need a cup of coffee so you can get moving in the morning. Don't worry, I'm going to keep going. You ready? Unfortunately, sexual addictions, pornography. Shopping addiction. This ain't te retail therapy. Don't... I love how people just raise their head. No, we're going to pray at the end. Just let me finish. Can I finish the list? People are like, oh, Lord. I'm going to call my name. Why you put... 
Three people said, why you put my business in the street over here? <laughs> Food addiction, sugar. Raise my hand on that one. Inhaling things, up or down, whatever you do. Dealing with self issues. Lying. You just lie for no reason. Workaholic, you think your self-worth comes from a job. Mediocrity, you're just always surviving. Money, you chasing money. Or you enable. You're an enabler. Regardless of these issues, just like this man, the longer you struggle with an issue, the longer... And the harder it is for you to get over it. The longer you do it, you actually start to become complacent and you start to work around it. Like if you have a spending thing, you just spend up all your money that you say, then you, then you put down your credit card, right? And they say, oh, that's max. You just pull out another one. Like there's a deck of cards. You pull out another one. Instead of dealing with the issue. Right? What's that term on people? I say, I'm going to try to keep it real. Keep it real silly, right? So instead of dealing with it, you just keep it going. And we have to deal with it. I'm not telling you something that I heard or anything like this. I'll tell you what I know. I grew up uh, in the Midwest and, and my family, we played sports. So in high school, I played football, basketball, volleyball, and track. And then I was fortunate enough to win, a, um, to be awarded a full scholarship in volleyball, and I played uh, in college. And when I started playing, in, uh, I didn't play high school volleyball. So when I got into college, it was a lot tougher playing against a lot of the, you know, a lot of the universities, very difficult. My freshman year, I sat on the bench because there was a three-time All-American in front of me. And he was also my watchman, and then I did it. Sophomore year, I started. We have an 82-game season, and what would happen is my body would start to get from the banging, would start to have pressure on it. One of the reasons why is because I was a really good leaper. I could jump. So I was really aggressive the way that I played volleyball. And so I always had a way of defeating people. If you were taller than me, I was quicker. If you were anywhere within three inches of me, I could always just out-jump you. Now, when I say a leaper, you guys understand what a leaper means, right? I mean, like, I could get up, right? I used to tell people that before the games. I said, there's really not that much you can do about it. There's four elements to being a great leaper. How many elements? Four elements. First, you got to accelerate. Then you got to elevate. Then you got to levitate. And then you got to detonate. But I tell you, there ain't nothing you can do about it. I said, if you play against me, the first thing I'm going to do is accelerate. Then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and elevate. And then I'm going to levitate. And then I'm going to detonate. Did I tell you there ain't nothing you can do about it? You can think about it. You can fight against me. But guess what? You just be tired and lose. But the pressure on my body started taking off toll you know we're playing against I don't want to start naming out teams but you know people you guys know all the teams here you play against somebody on you know UCLA on Tuesday night USC on Thursday Sunday night you're playing against Northridge 
What happens is if you start to, so my ankles start to get sore. Then my knees start to get sore. Then my back start to get sore. When your back gets sore, there's nothing you can do. Hey, did somebody tell you guys a little secret? You need your back. It's very hard to stand without your back. It's very hard to beat people over a three-hour period without a back. Sat in the training room one day, and I was icing. Trainer turns over to me. Says, hey, he turns around to me. and says, hey, um, hey, why don't you just, I'm going to subscribe some uh, medication for you. I said, no, nah, I really don't do that. I'm good. I'll ice. Then he said, this will help you sleep. I said, okay. Took it. Then I then just started taking more and more nappers. I just started taking more and more. And then after a while, after you start taking drugs, you guys don't know this, painkillers, it doesn't work as well. So what you have to do is you have to start mixing it with other things or taking more. And then, by the way, when I was in, when I was in, when I was in college, I was really, like, funny, too. I could joke around with people, and I had a lot of energy. I don't know if the kids took it out of me now, but I used to have a lot of energy. So what would happen would be I'd be holding a conversation with three people at the same time. Hey, how you doing? Good, everything good? Yeah, you know, you look really nice today, right? I'd be talking to all three of you at the same time. But guess what the end goal was? To get you to let me have two more pills. So I would just keep going around. And then I knew where everyone kept them. Where athletes, we kept them kind of in our gym bag in the same place. And just ask people. Right? That's called functioning. Functioning out of a functioning under a functioning enabler. Functioning broke. Functioning. Right? Or so-called highly functioning. Right? Then what happened was, I remember, I'll never forget it. Flew to play uh, Penn State, came back. Um, I'm sitting in a classroom. And I take a midterm next day. So when I fly back, I always used to do this because the, a lot of medication, uh, painkillers, they thin your blood. So I used to always kind of go like this with my hand to make sure my nose wasn't bleeding. Because I didn't want people to see it. Because, right, you try to hide the sin, right? So I kept going like this. So I come in, and I get ready to take a test, and I'm sitting down taking the test. And then, I'm sorry, everyone here who's under 38 years old, they have something called Scantron. You know what happens? So you write out, just, just to the four people in here that are under 38, because y'all, 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 I'm going to come back to y'all. We do an altar call for that 38 thing. So you, but for, for the eight people here that are under 38, you'd, you'd, you'd say the answer is B, and then mark it on a little piece of paper, and then it'd run through a machine. And then give you a grade. So I'm sitting there taking the test. I just started. I'm on my question. Very just started. And all of a sudden I'm writing down. And you know I'm bent over, right? Writing on the paper. Blood, bone, hits the paper. I try to hide. I wipe it off. Taking a test. Then all of a sudden I say, you know what? Let me just take a quick nap. You know right before you pass out how you have that flicker? Okay, if you don't know. Yeah. So anyway, that's my thought was a flicker, but bam, my head hits the desk. So then when I wake up, I have a blood all over my shirt. They called the ambulance whole bit. Later on, the coaches want to meet with me. Because now they know, because they took my blood at the hospital, right? 
So I'm sitting, and our coach was the Olympic coach. This guy was the, one of the best coaches in, in, in the world. I'm sitting outside of his office, and I see him go in. I see the assistant coach go in. I see the athletic director go in. And I'm sitting here thinking up how I'm going to, what lie I'm going to, I'm, I'm kind of working out a story. Don't worry, I know none of you have done this and can't associate with nothing I'm saying. Just, just blink at me and nod your head. I'm sitting there, right there, thinking of my lie. Okay, I'm going to say, I came in there, right? And then they done tripped, and boom. I get in there, and I sit down. They put the chairs sitting there, and they're all around me. Too stupid to just come in and say I have a problem. Coach is sitting directly in front of me. Assistant coach is sitting right here, and they have a, they have a, a manila folder sitting right around that table. Everyone that plays sports knows that it's in that manila envelope. Then, athletic director sitting here, and a guy in a suit is sitting right here. I don't know who that person is. So, George, what happened? Well, I, was, I walked in the room, and, you know, I slipped and hit my head. My coach looks at me and says, George, you played against Penn State last night. And there's no way, if all of them couldn't stop you, you're going to just walk in a classroom and, pass, and get beat up by a chair at a desk? So they started talking really slow to me. You know that, right? Okay, don't worry about this. You guys don't know nothing I'm talking about. They started talking really slow to me. Then I never admitted I had a problem. Then you know what they did? Never forget this this day. My coach had the phone sitting right in front of him. He sat there and listened to all those little lies. I just sat there, right? Then he started dialing on the phone. He starts dialing on the phone. It answers. It's my mother. They start explaining to her everything that happened. And you know what my mother did on the phone? She started crying. And you know what I decided right then and there? I have a problem. I left that room that day. And I pulled out 10 index cards and I wrote on every index card certain things. I'm going to share that with you at the end. But I wrote on every one of those cards what God wanted me to do and to be. And then from that day forward. I never took any medication, not aspirin, anything. For Up until about maybe 10 years ago, I started. If I had to aspirin or anything, I went to all the games, all the practices, and I stopped. Why did I do that? Because I had to. I couldn't let my mother down. One more thing. That was back in the phone. was a little older. He had the phone. He said something to my mother, then he hung up the phone. Coach looks me directly in the face and says this to me. Yeah, I called your mother because all the sacrifices that your mother's made, you shouldn't make these decisions. Talking to you now. In life, we've made some decisions that we should not have made. And now we have to come back and fix them by just being healed. Put chapter 6 back up here again. Verse 6 up here again. I just want to read it to you again. 
Jesus walks up to a man who had been lying there in that condition, complacent. Not, didn't say the man was doing the rolling, you know, he wasn't trying to do the kick worm. Remember the kick worm, they do the break dance move where you try to kick into the water? <laughs> wasn't trying to do that. He didn't, he said that. He asked him, Do you want to get well? And he didn't do it. Next verse, he started making excuses. He said, sir, the invalid replied, no one is here to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in, does anywhere on there, Jesus asked him, does you want to be healed? He's not asking him, what's your date of birth? How are you feeling? Your outfit looks nice there. He's not. He's asking him, do you want to be healed? And then he starts making excuses. I can't stand it. Anybody here not, not like excuses? The same people who are over 38, six of you. <laughs> so anyway, for all of you, since everybody here is under 38, there used to, I hate excuses. There used to be a show called The Peanuts. I know you guys know nothing about this, okay? But there was this guy, his name was Charlie Brown. You guys help me, just help me. Linus. Who else? Lucy, okay now y'all, telling on yourselves, all the people here. Whenever they went to school, they would have a teacher talk. And whenever the teacher would talk, it would just sound crazy. Let's see what Charlie Brown thinks about excuses. That's what happens when. What do you think Jesus was saying? Hey, do you want to be healed? Well, da da da. Yes. But we make excuses over and over and over and over again. Have you guys ever heard the story about the old man and the dog? You ever a story about the old man and the dog? It's an old story. I'm sure you've heard it. About the old man and the dog. Okay, you haven't heard it. There's an old man, he has a dog. And he's sitting there on his porch in a rocking chair. He's rocking back and forth. And there's a young guy. And he's walking home from school. And when he walks by the old man, he's rocking back and forth. There's a dog. And the dog is moaning. And he's just moaning. Kid doesn't think nothing of it. Walks home. Next day, he's walking to school. The man's rocking back and forth. And it's the dog's still moaning. Weeks, he's walking back and forth. The dog is just moaning. Finally, the young kid, you know, young, walks up to the man. He said, hey. How you doing, Mr. Jenkins? Mr. Jenkins says, oh, I'm doing good. I'm good. He goes, I noticed your dog, old Yeller. He goes, that's not the dog's name. I said, I, he said, I just named him that because I heard him moaning. He said, why is your dog moaning? He says without batting an eye. He said, oh, he's sitting on a nail. 
young kid doesn't know any better. He goes, why is he sitting on a nail? Why does he just get up and move? The man looks at him and says, oh, it hurts bad enough to moan, but it doesn't hurt bad enough to move. Why are you sitting on a nail? It hurts bad enough to moan, but it doesn't hurt bad enough to move. All of you that are sitting in a situation in your life right now, you can call your friends, you can put up a Facebook post, but are you going to take action? Are you going to move? Are you going to be complacent? You want to know also a big enemy of faith? It's complacency, but also familiarity. You just stay where you're at all the time, and then you get frozen. Since everybody here is all young, remember that we used to be on the dance floor, right? Get into them, and then the DJ yell out, freeze! You just, oh, I'm locking that position. And then you, that, then, you that, then you had to pull out the position, you know? Then you had the little arm hanging like that, right? And then, ah! Then, woo! But you'd be frozen. Some of you are frozen on the dance floor, but you're frozen in life. Not taking opportunities when you could. Let's go to the next verse. And then we're going to pray. Because we're going to end this. Verse 8. Verse 8. I can't read this yet. Hold on, you guys. This man was paralyzed. This scripture is too powerful. It's too powerful. Did I tell you it was powerful? Tell them it's powerful. (laughs) This man was paralyzed at this pool for 38 years. He was paralyzed three ways. How many ways was he paralyzed? Three ways. The first is he was physically paralyzed. Right? He couldn't walk. His muscles, he couldn't move. Anybody know what atrophy is? Atrophy means it's a degeneration of your muscles. If you hurt your leg and they put a cast on your leg and you carry that for months and months, when you pull, when you get the cast off, your leg will be shriveled down and small. That is called atrophy. And also that's Lou Gehrig's disease. You hear about that. He was physically paralyzed. Put the scripture up and let's go. He's giving excuses. Somebody wanted to get down ahead of me, something else. What, wait, what's the excuses y'all use when people show up late for meetings? What, what's the excuse? Traffic on the 405? <laughs> what, what's another excuse? Everybody in my family is overweight. What is it? I'm thick. Everybody got an iPhone 10. What's the excuse everybody using right now? Jesus don't listen to none of that. Jesus stands up and makes the most powerful statement that you can make to somebody. He stands there and says, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Gosh, that's powerful. Lazarus rise. Lazarus was dead. This man was dead physically. 
laying in a pool, no chance, no hope. Pick up your mat. You guys know what a mat was? He was laying on it. Someone in this room right now, you laying on a mat. Mats are temporary. He didn't say he was at the house. He said he was on a mat. Pick up your mat, meaning that you ain't going to be laying back down. We're going to pray at the end of this. We're going to pray. Tell him we're going to pray. Pick up your mat. Then what did he say? And walk. He said, you got atrophy. Your bones are tired. You don't have the muscles. You're too fat, too skinny. You didn't go to the right school. You're on the wrong side of the tracks. He didn't say none of that. Someone needs to pick up your mat and walk. Where was I? This man was paralyzed three ways. Once physically. If you ain't stood in 38 years, you ain't got the muscles to stand. But God got the muscles for you to stand. Number two, he was paralyzed mentally. Why was he paralyzed mentally? Because he was so stupid. Like, what? not stupid, but, but he's doing what, I, what we do, right? I'm going to say what I do, sorry, so someone don't get convicted. You standing in front of Jesus Christ. And you talking to him about a pool. And you laying on the ground. Can someone explain that to me? Can you explain to me why you making excuses? Can you explain to me why you think your, your boss or whoever you think you going to at work, why you think they're your source? They're your source. God, your source. Why you stand in front of, why you stand in front of this person? Can I have a raise? What you doing? Pray to God. They ain't going to give it to you. He going to give it to you. Last, he was spiritually disabled. How was he spiritually disabled, family? He was spiritually disabled, again, because he was making all those excuses about the water stirring and all that stuff. Do you see how he was spiritually disabled? He had a distorted view of how God does miracles. He had a steward view. Okay, you guys don't get it. Let me give it to you another way. Anybody in here single? Okay, don't nobody want to miss. Okay, this area over here. Okay, all right. So, do you want a, do you want a tall guy or a short guy? Tall. Okay, you want him dark, light? What do you want, educated, uneducated? What'd you say? It don't matter no more? Okay. Okay. Okay, now, I wasn't ready for that. Now, don't matter no more. Okay. All right, what you going to do? You going to teach him? Okay, all right, got you. Okay. Lost my train of thought there, fam. Lost my train of thought. But anyway, where was I? Distorted view of Christ. You see, what we're waiting for is we're waiting for God to have a man walk down this aisle. And he went here, he did this, he did that, and come up here and say something to you. But what you don't know is God's been preparing a man for you and he may come this way. We just have to be open to him to receive what he has for us so that we don't have a distorted view of Christ. That's how shrewd the enemy is. Whether you were like me when I, and I was 19, 20 years old doing that. 
is that God has a plan and a purpose. But you have to shake off what entangles you and then to do it. You have to be focused on what God has for you. Do you remember I told you that after that, I went and I wrote, I took three by five index cards. So people don't do that no more, right? Everybody got the app? There's an app, I guess, for that now? Okay, anyway. I wrote on these cards who I am in Christ. And I carried it with me every morning and used them for affirmations. And then after a year, no, after some months or after a period of time, they lifted all the bands on me. You know, all the talking slow to me and all the, you can't be prescribed nothing stuff. And I wasn't on probation, any of the probations. And they said, hey, do you want some uh, uh, substance pills? In there? I was like, I'm good. And I never did it. Because, see, before, now I was a great leaper, great player, but I thought I was good. But what I found out is God is good. So I sat down and talked to the the coach and he said, George, there's four areas of your life that you have to work on. And then I'm going to show you guys, walk you through what we need to do. He said, "Um, you're a college university. You have four lives. You have an academic life. You have an athletic life. You have a social life. And this is the one my mother had. A spiritual life. And what happened was my athletic life and my social life were taken up all the time. And there wasn't time for my spiritual life. To be able to grow to be the person that I needed to be. So I had to flip that order and be focused on it. It's okay if I just show you five areas of your life that you need to work, that everyone should be all have intact. I'm not saying you don't, I'm just saying these are five areas of focus on. Everybody know what a goal is, right? What you're striving for. Also in the Bible, it says in Jeremiah 29 11 that I have a plan and a purpose for your life. Plans of hope and a future. Plans not to harm you. So you understand when you're laying in a pool of blood, you're about to sit with your coaches, that's not God's plan for you. Wasn't for me. So we have to get on the right plan. There's five areas. The first area is you need to have spiritual goals. The first goal we should have spiritually is that here at this church we do SOAP. S-O-A-P. What does SOAP stand for? Scripture, observation, how do I apply it, and then prayer. Also, last week or two weeks ago, we went over Acts when we pray. We should be praying. You know, there was a, there's a story there in, in the Bible. That this, there was a man who brought his son that was demon-possessed. I want you guys to really listen. He brought a son who was demon-possessed. And, and the man said, I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. Jesus cast out the devil and then told him, this only comes out by prayer and what else? Fasting. I want to walk through the fast a little bit later on. But you understand that we have to get to a deeper level. So the first thing we want to have spiritual goals. 
Second area is we want to have health goals. We can get up all day and say, Lord, I pray for my health. I pray for this. I pray for everything healthy. But you can't pray and then go home and eat sweet potato pie for breakfast. Okay? You guys are saying, I, I have relatives in Mississippi. Oh, Lord, they probably watching on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> they fry everything. I tried to get some turkey bacon over there. I had to buy it in Memphis and drive it into Mississippi. And they were like this. Hey, don't put that in the same plate as our pork. <laughs> no, no, no. I got some relatives in the sip. They put a ham hock in everything. No, everything. I was sitting down eating a bowl of Cheerios. I looked at the bottom. There was a ham hock in it. I'm at this, I'm at this funeral. That's true story. I'm at a funeral. We get back. They got fried chicken. Smothered chicken. I should be doing some fast. Everything. Oxtail, ribs, this and that. And they said, uh, George, uh, Pastor George, can you pray for the meal? And we, we came back from the, did I tell you we were at a funeral? You guys remember that time? But anyway, I come back. I said, hey, y'all don't think we should ease up on the push. And I tell you, macaroni and cheese. And then the greens with a ham hock in it. Put your hand down, George. Put your hand down. They said, they go, will you pay for us, pray for us, Pastor? I said, don't y'all think we should just give up the pork for the, the man died of congestive heart failure. We can't just, we can't give up the pork just this meal. They looked at me, right? Then they looked down at that point. They looked at me. Look at They go, not today, brother. You want to pray or not? Say one time I was running down the street, work, I was working, I was running down the down the freeway. Three people pulled up and they go, Who's chasing you? <laughs> Where was I? Can you have a health goal? I don't know. I wasn't supposed to tell you nothing about that. Huh? All y'all missing, I'm sorry, y'all. And dude, still make me a plate to go. You know what I'm saying? Give me a plate to go. So the Bible says. Third John 2, beloved, I love you. I pray that you be, you be in health, that you prosper, be in health as your soul prospers. That's a three-part prayer. Beloved, it's saying that, that you prosper, but it's saying going on a journey. And then it says be in health and then your soul prospering. So everything should be moving all along together. Amen. Amen. Third area, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't leave without bringing this up. What's next, everybody? Get your finances together. Everybody is at one of five levels in life. One of how many? Five. The first level is struggling and sinking. That means you have the inability to pay bills, okay? You're just struggling. Next level is steady. You have just enough to pay your bills, but if something snap, crackles, or pops, you fall down to struggling, Okay? Then there is something called solid. That means you work somewhere for a while. You're doing good. Everything's cool. Uh, putting in your 401k, taking a one-week vacation. Next level, surplus. Surplus, quite simply, is just extra money. You're doing pretty good. Highest level, service. That means you're doing just what God puts you on this earth to do. So what we want to do, what God wants you to do, is that we want to be good stewards over what God has blessed us with. 
So whatever level here at the stewardship part, I'm gonna, there's plenty of information outside that I brought today that make sure that can help you do that. But all we want to do is, what I want to do here is move you from one level to the next level to the next level. If you're struggling, move you to steady. If you're steady, to solid, solid, surplus, surplus of service. Just so you can do what God has you to do on this earth. There's this old thing. Remember when you believe the lies? Oh, I don't want to focus nothing on finances. I'm like, that's impossible. Because you have to do things. You have to do certain things to get ahead and to do that. And also, I want you to experience financial freedom. Just to let you guys know what financial freedom, some elements of that is, is, is uh, number one is that you have a budget. Okay, don't throw none. Don't throw none. <laughs> number two is this. You need to be completely debt-free. Let me explain you what debt-free is. Uh, thank you. Was that, was that eight people? Hey, I want to thank. That's about eight, ten people over here that clap. I want to thank you. Because let me explain to you what debt, debt freedom is. It frees you up. So you shouldn't have a car payment. Okay? And then also, you should not have a mortgage payment on your primary residence. Because now, for all the people who say, what? Yes. We're, for all the people online, we're in Los Angeles, California, where one of the highest real estate areas are. But we can talk later if you want to get tax deduction or thing, then you do that on other properties. But if you don't have a mortgage, imagine right now what it would be like not having a mortgage. What you're able to do. No, and I came to, I came to my um, when, do you guys know I have, uh, um, I'm going to say a lot of children, but um, let me say it this way, though, this is true. I never had a child. We never had a child. Uh, for those of you who don't know, me and my wife have twin, uh, twin boys. So we never had a child. What happened was, I was at the hospital, right? My wife was there, right? My wife was there. <laughs> and they handed me a baby at 9.14 p.m. on December 31st. 9.14 p.m. Never tell you guys I was trying to have one on December 31st and have one in January and they'd be a year apart. But then uh, the, the doctor thought I was crazy. I had a baby, me and my wife, we had a baby at 9.14 and I went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I was counting his fingers and toes. And by the time I got around to do it, they said, here's your other, here's your son. So we had twins, one at 9.14, one at 9.50. So one, we serve a God of multiplication. We can go in another day, another story, but I can't tell you another one because I'm just, these are too draining for me. But we went to the hospital with two people and came back with four. I don't know, the car, I'm in the car like, oh my God, they let us take these people home. <laughs> but you have to have your finances in order. And one of the things was, was just that to, to, have, to, not pay, to have a mortgage completely paid off, it frees you. It frees your income to go out and do other things and in working in those areas. Oh, amen? amen? So we have resources for that. I'll make sure there are resources. There's some outside there. And I'll go over the financial fast with you again, okay? You guys know we have a financial fast, right? Okay. Okay, this section is the only one that knows. Okay, over everybody else. You know, we have a financial fast where we stop using credit cards. No plastic crack. No credit cards. We go to cash. When people use credit cards, you spend 30% more. When you use debit cards, you spend 10% more. Just use cash for 21 days. And I walk through a whole list of things that you can do. But also, buy. there's something called a need, a want, and a wish. Just do what you need and learn how to be, and also learn how to be content with what God has blessed you with. So I'll give you information about that. And then also, a couple other books are available for you to be able to do that. But we have resources. That's financial. Fourth area is to have a career goal. We have to decide what we're going to do. 
Remember earlier we talked about Jeremiah 29 and 11, about God having a plan and a purpose? Let's make sure you're living that every day. Whatever you want to do in life, make sure you're spending hours a day doing that, not what you don't want to do. Amen? Do I have to go back to laying on a mat? Okay, all right. We want to do what God has us to do, and that is having those goals. And then the fifth area is relationships. We need to have relationship goals. Like, in other words, like, one of mine is, is with men, is that I start hanging out with more married men. And that I want to start having relationship goals where we have where we do more couples and more date nights with your relationship. But you want to start having goals that deal with relationships and people. Amen? So you deal in all five of those areas. Amen?